Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Today we're going to go back to Judges chapter 3. And so reminding you that the end of Judges chapter 2 reveals the cyclical nature of the book of Judges. And it's a cycle, but it's really more of a spiral because it gets worse and worse and worse. We see the cycle of sin, which led to oppression, which led to Israel repenting, which led to them being delivered, which led to a time of peace. And then eventually they began to sin again. And then they were oppressed and then they repented and then they were delivered. Then they had peace. And once again, they go through that spiral. They'd sin, they'd be oppressed, they'd repent they be delivered, then they experience peace. And one of the things you'll see in the notes, I'm not going to read through them tonight, you'll see reflection questions one through nine in the notes. And I encourage you to actually reflect on and answer those questions. It will help you. Because remember, one of the things we do in the book of Judges, there's so many things you can see in the book of Judges, but one of the things we're pulling out and focusing on are insight and keys and wisdom from the scriptures on how to fulfill God's call for our lives. Every single one of us has been called, anointed, and appointed to do something. And we need to fulfill the plan of God for our lives. And so one of the things we said, uh, recap some of the notes we shared last week, is these judges partnered with the Holy Spirit through their faith. These judges partnered with the Holy Spirit through their faith. Remember we saw in the book of Hebrews that one of the things we should learn from the judges is faith. Although the Holy Spirit will land on these judges, they would still need to act. The Holy Spirit did not make them act. They still need to partner with the Holy Spirit and act in faith. As the scripture says, once in the Old Testament and three times in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. As we shared in our introduction to the series, we should learn from the faith of the judges. The judges had faith that God had empowered them to fulfill their assignment. When the Holy Spirit landed upon them, he anointed them for their assignment. If you are, one of the things we also said about if you are actively in season doing what God assigned you to do, not a season of preparation, even though that is a season where you operate preparing to step out to what God has called you to do. But if you're in a season where you're actively doing what God has called you to do, you need to make sure you operate under the anointing. There are different things to do to prepare. But if you're in the season where you're doing, you're actually in whether it's phase one, phase two, whatever, if you're actively doing what God has called you to do, then you need to make sure you're daily operating under the anointing. And we said, gave you five things to do last week. How should you daily operate under the anointing? Number one, daily ask for God's guidance. Day, number two, daily ask for his insight. Number three, daily ask for his help. Number four, acknowledge the anointing on your life. Number five, expect God results. That's all the time I'm spending on review tonight because I want to jump in some new territory. So go with me, Judges chapter 3, verse 11. And so, of course, this is after Athenio delivered Israel. God used him mightily. And so verse 11 says, So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. And then what happened? The cycle's happening. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so what happened? Another enemy foreign nation came in. Remember we said this was part of their covenant. We see their covenant spelled out in the books of the law. That says, if you turn, your enemies will come in and you won't be, able to, you won't be strong enough to fight them. And so the next one is Eglon, king of Moab. Eglon, king of Moab is the next 
oppressor who comes into the land of Israel. More specifically, he begins to conquer and occupy the tribe of Benjamin. Remember what we said about the book of Judges is that some of the stories are overlapping and they just cover different times and different areas of Israel. So the overlapping ones may occur close to the same time, maybe a few years difference, but they're different areas. So sometimes we're reading a certain chapter, it's about the same time. One of the things we'll see at the end of chapter three is at the same time of chapter four and chapter five, it's overlapping in time, but it's concerning different areas. And so we see here that Eglon, king of Moab, is coming in and he conquers the tribe of Benjamin. And he actually sets up shop, his palace, near the city of Jericho. And so one of the things that's so interesting, it says that the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. The territory of Moab bound, uh, borders the Dead Sea and will be part of modern-day Jordan. Eglon occupied the land of the tribe of Benjamin, which means he took back Jericho. Let that sink in. It's interesting to me. What did he take and set up shop? Jericho. Why, Jericho. Why is Jericho so important? Not too many years or probably a generation and a half before then, maybe a tad bit more. Joshua and the children of Israel took Jericho. That was stop number one officially in the promised land, officially across the Jordan. There were other cities and areas they took before the Jordan where the first steps into the lands of promise. The first city they took was Jericho. We all know the story, but the walls falling down. They shouted on the seventh day, the walls fell down. They took, we know the story of Rahab. So many wonderful stories in the first parts of the book of Joshua. This was their beginning. This was a promising beginning, but this territory they had won and the beginning they have now lost because they turned from God. They didn't just turn from God, they didn't just backslid. They began to serve other gods. And that's one of the things we see, that's part of the sin we see in Israel is that they would turn from God. And the scripture says earlier in chapter three, they would forget about the one true God. And they began to worship the gods of the Canaanites who lived around them. And so they lost Jericho. They lost the beginning. They lost what God had given them originally. And so what happened? Verse 15. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Remember, God raised up judges for a response. He raised them up for a reason. We looked at it in chapter 2. We covered it extensively. He raised them up as a response to Israel's repentance and Israel's prayer. The judge was raised up because Israel repented and Israel prayed. But we also saw in chapter 2, the judge was raised up because of God's compassion. Now, how did God raise them up? We covered this last week. God raised them up by placing his spirit upon them. So we can say it this way, the judge was raised up by the anointing. The judge was raised up by the anointing. So what raised up the judge? The anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. So put it in the chat. Say, the judge was raised up by the anointing. Come on, put it in the chat. Say it out loud. Put it in your notes. It's already in my notes, but you can add it to yours. Say, the judge was raised up by the anointing. One more time. Say, the judge was raised up by the anointing. We talked about it last week, but remember the anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the enablement of the Holy Spirit. It's his ability. It's his gifting. It's his power. The judge was raised up by the Holy Spirit, by his power, by his anointing. And I want to remind you that the Lord is raising you up to do something. Say, the Lord is raising me up. Come on, say it out loud. Put it in the chat. Put it in your notes. The Lord is raising me up. Come on, say it out loud. Put it in the chat. Put it in the notes. Come on. Say, the Lord 
is raising me up. The Lord is raising you up to do something and it will be accomplished by the power of his spirit and your obedience to his spirit. I'm going to emphasize that again. What God is raising you up to do will be accomplished by the power of his spirit and your obedience to his spirit. One more time. What God is raising you up to do will be accomplished by the power of his spirit and your obedience to his spirit. So this leads to reflection question number 10. What is God raising you up to do? What is God raising you up to do? Now, not just your current assignment, not just your current phase, but in the times of preparation, even in the phase and assignments you're doing, what is he raising you up to do? What is the general call on your life, the general purpose on your life? What is your why? As I've heard it said before, why are you on this planet? Because he's raising you up to fulfill that purpose. And always, as you keep sticking with him, that influence grows. That purpose gets deeper as long as you stay with them because the spirit is raising you up. So you need to know what is he raising you up to do? Because remember, the Holy Spirit is going to take over the judges. The judges partner with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not going to take you over. You have to partner with him and you by faith in him and by obeying his instructions, you'll walk in his power and you'll be able to fulfill what God has called you to do. What he's called you to do will be accomplished by the power of his spirit and by your obedience to his spirit. Now, one of the things we'll see now in chapter three and going to chapter four and chapter five is just these are some epic tales of what happened with people who partner with the Holy Spirit. There are some epic Tales, some is a little bit gross, some was a little bit weird, some are kind of humorous. But there are interesting tales that happen that God used these regular people to do because they partnered with his spirit. God is raising you up. I'm telling you, this is my emphasis for tonight. God is raising you up to do something. And yes, you may not be a deliverer judge in this sense that's it called to lead battles and judge the tribes and the nations, but he's raising you up to do something in your career in your neighborhood, in your community, whether you're in business or in education, whether you're in medicine, whether you're in technology, whether you're in media, wherever you are, he's raising you up to do something. And what he's called you to do, yes, education is important. I don't knock education. I've been through school. I have degrees. I do not knock that. It is needed. But that's part of the process. It's part of the pre preparation time. It's part of what he raises you to do. But understand that it's going to be accomplished not by your own might, not by your own power, not by your know-how, not by your connections. It's going to be by the power of his spirit and your obedience to his spirit. So, for example, if he tells you to go to a certain school or take a certain course, take a certain class, do this, get that degree. If he's leading you to do that, you doing that is obeying his spirit. You say, well, I don't need that. I'm just going to wait for his power. That's not obedience to his spirit. The, what he's called you to do will be accomplished by the power of his spirit and your obedience to his spirit. It's both. What is he leading you to do? Not what he, did he lead your neighbor to do? What did he lead the person sitting next to you at church to do? No, what is he leading you to do? What he's leading you to do is important for you to do what he's telling you to do. What he's called you to do will be accomplished by the power of his spirit and obedience to his spirit. You know, we're 
you know, there's so many things going on in the world today, so many things we're facing, just like at all times. And sometimes it seems more intense than others. But this emphasis I have on my heart tonight, who knows, we'll get to my other notes. This emphasis I have in my heart tonight is to remind you that he's called you, remind you that you're here for a reason. You're not an accident. You have a purpose. You have a call. There's a grace on your life. And what he's called you to do is not going to be by your own smarts, by your own ability, by what you can put together. It's going to be by the power of his spirit and you obeying the spirit of God. What did he tell you to do? That challenge in front of you, that thing that looks too big. They said, well, I don't know how I'm going to handle it. That seems too much. I don't know how I'm going to walk into this opportunity or to this door. I've ran into too many obstacles or it's too much for me to handle. Stop. It's going to be by his spirit. You obeying the spirit of God and by the spirit of God's power. That's how you're going to get it done. Some of you came to, to this Bible study tonight. Well, how am I going to do this? You have your answer. It's by listening to his spirit and by his spirit's power. When you listen, the power will be imparted. When you act, the power will be there. But you have to listen and you have to obey. Hear and obey. Hearken to the voice of God. Hear and listen with the point to hear. Not just listen. Listen to the point so you can hear and obey. That's how you're going to accomplish what he's called you to do. It is by the spirit of God, by him directing you, guiding you, empowering you, enabling you. You're not in this by yourself. You're never called this to do this by yourself. Even we call ourselves the name Christian. And that means we're followers of the anointed one. It means we're followers of the one who has the anointing. It also means that we are anointed. It means we have the anointing. We identify with the anointing. But if we want the anointing to work to its maximum potential, we have to follow the directions and the guidance of the Holy Ghost, the one who's anointed us, the one who lives within us, the one who rest upon us. These judges did mighty things by the power of God. These judges did mighty things by the spirit of God. But the thing is, they were under a old covenant and they had limited access to the power of the spirit. You do not have a limited access. He lives on the inside of you. You have something the judges don't have. The Holy Ghost himself lives in you if you're a believer. He's on the inside of you and he rests upon you through the outpouring of the spirit and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you listen to him, you'll be able to accomplish what's in front of you. He is your strengthener. He is your standby. He is your advocate. He is your helper. And he is with you right now. He's in the room that you're in, in the car that you're in, whether you're watching this live or via replay, you're with the Holy Spirit right now. Listen to what he's telling you to do. He is raising you up for a purpose and you can fulfill his purpose. Praise God. Go ahead, put it in this chat and say it out loud. Say, I can fulfill his purpose. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, I can fulfill his purpose. One more time. Say, I can fulfill his purpose. Some of you need to stop saying, I can't do this. I can't stop. Stop all these I can'ts because it's not about your ability. It's not by your own strength. Yes, you use your strength. Yes, you use your ability. But what makes it happen is when you take a step out in your ability, you meet his ability. When you take a step out in your strength, you meet his strength because you're following the directions of the spirit of God. You don't need goosebumps to follow the Holy Ghost. You don't need to feel something to take a step of faith. If he's telling you to do it, you take that step and you know his power will meet you there. His power will back you up because you'll accomplish what he's called you to do by you following his spirit and by his spirit's power. Praise God. So we see this judge Ehud. And you know what's interesting about Ehud? It doesn't say really before this he was a warrior. 
It just says he was a person who carried the tribute. Now, what is tribute? They're paying Moab. They're paying them. They're under oppression, and they have to pay. And so they sent this guy, Ehud, who the Spirit of God is raising up. And so he goes to King Eglon. And through how he's presenting himself, and he says, I have a message for you. I have a message from God for you. And so all the other servants are dismissed, and he's in there, and Ehud takes this dagger. And remember, he's left-handed, and so he's able to hide it in a different way. It was a double-edged dagger, and I said it's about a cubit in length. So it was a small dagger. He had fastened it under his clothes, under his right thigh. And so one of the things, now when he brought the tribute, he went up to the king, got close, and he stabbed the king with this dagger. Now, one of the things the scripture says, it says in verse 17, New King James, now Eglon was a very fat man. So what happened? When he stabbed him, the scripture says, the dagger went all the way in and the fat covered it up. And of course, the king died. And so what happens is, but Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone image and skipped to Sirah. And it happened when he arrived. Now, let's pause before I skip forward because I'm skipping down a few verses. Let's back up and I'll read this through you and I'll break it down a little bit more. Now, when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he rose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said he is probably attending to his needs in the cooler chamber. That's New King James talk, so he's using the restroom. So they waited till they were embarrassed. He's been in there a long time. And, they, and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore they took the key and opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud escaped while they delayed, and passed beyond the stone images and skipped to Sarah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. Then he said to them, Follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him. He seized the force of the Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. And they completed, completely routed Moab with a great victory. And they, they won. This 18-year oppression is over because one man was raised up by the Spirit, followed his leading, and then led others to do the same. It says in verse 30, So Moab was subdued under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. And so which land is it? A specific, the land of Benjamin. This area is going to have rest for 80 years. This area that Moab, it's now at rest for 80 years. We know the land that Othniel delivered had rest for about 40 years. Now this area is going to have rest for 80 years because one man was raised up by the Holy Spirit, followed his leading, his guidance, and let others do the same. The area had rest. Verse 31 is very interesting. It says, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistine with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. He also saved Israel. Then the chapter ends. One verse to describe the next judge, Shamgar, says he came after Ehud. So this is letting you know this is 
after the 80 years. This is after Ehud. It's not at the same time. There's not an overlapping story. But this is after once. This is after. And this guy has one verse. Now he said, well, what is an ox go? Well, an ox go was a strong stick about 8 to 10 feet long and 6 inches in diameter. It had a metal tip encased on one end to nudge or direct oxen. And then the other end, a flat curved blade, which was used to clean the plow. So it was a farm tool. Shamgar delivered Israel and took out 600 Philistines with a farm tool. It didn't say he led an army. It said he did it. Now the thing is, here's another reflection question for you. Are you devaluing what God has put in your hands? Are you devaluing what God has put in your hands? Because you said, I can't do this. I can't do what God has called me to do. I don't have the right stuff. All I have is an ox goad. Well, apparently that was more than enough for Shamgar to deliver Israel. To deliver them, that area from the Philistines. The Philistines were usually on the western border of Israel. What has God put in your hands? What have you said, I can't use this? It's not spiritual enough. It's not good enough. It's not what everyone else has. Are you devaluing what God is putting in hands? I encourage you, go back and look at that thing you devalued. Go back and look at that skill that you devalued or that class you devalued or that skill you look down on because it's not the same as somebody else or what is popular. Oftentimes, God will use what he's put in your hands. He'll use everything he's put in your hands, but often he'll also use the stuff that you devalue, not just the best thing. He'll use that too, but there's some other things that you thought were inferior that God has plans for. And in order for you to fulfill your assignment, you need to use everything he's given you, even the things you have devalued. Because when God's anointing comes upon it, it'll be more than enough. Just like Shamgar, who took what he had and had to start somewhere, and he used his ox goat, and he it says he too saved Israel. We don't know much more about him. It says he too delivered Israel. He too saved Israel. You too can follow the Spirit. You too can use what God has given to you. You too can go forward and fulfill God's plan for your life. Not just the big spiritual giant, not the big successful businessman, not just the person who is this or that or that. You too can follow the direction of the Spirit of God and use what God has put in your hands to fulfill His call upon your life. Say, God, has given me what I need to go forward. Say, God has given me what I need to go forward. Go ahead, put it in the chat. Say it out loud. Say, God has given me what I need to go forward. All of this is going to come to pass by you obeying the directions of the Spirit of God and by His power. Let's go to chapter 4. When Ehud was dead, so this is after Ehud, the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. So what happens? Another oppressor comes in, this time Jabin, king of Canaan, and he reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army, his general, was Sisera. And it says, verse 3, And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron. Remember, this is the beginning of the Iron Age. And so the most advanced technology were these iron chariots. And there was nothing Israel could do to stop them. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron. And for 20 years, he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. It doesn't say he just oppressed them. It says he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, our next judge. So we've seen Othniel. We've seen Ehud. We've seen Shamgar. Now we see the fourth judge, Deborah. 
Now, remember, we said not all judges were prophets, but this one was. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapida, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. So this is another territory. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And so one of the things we see about this oppression that came from Jabin, king of Canaan, it affected multiple tribes. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Eminem from Kadus and Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor, take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hands. So notice he said, she said, didn't God already tell you, has not the Lord commanded, or King David have not? Barak already knew. God has already dealt with him. And Barak is one of, a general in Israel. But he didn't move on the direction that the Holy Spirit gave him. He hasn't followed the leading of the Spirit yet. So this woman of God, this anointed woman of God, this judge of Israel, calls for him. Says, didn't God tell you to do this? And Barak said to her, if you go with me, then I'll go. But if you don't want me, I won't go. I know God told me to do this, but I ain't going if you don't come with me. And notice what this woman of God said. I'll surely go with you. Nevertheless, there'll be no glory for you in this journey. The Lord will sell Sarah into our hand of woman. So you won't get to take credit for this battle. God will give it to somebody else. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Natality, two tribes of Israel, two of the, two of the twelve. He went up with 10,000 men under his command. And Deborah went up with them. And so now it sets the scene of another person we're going to introduce, a woman called Jael. She's the wife of Heber the Canaanite, and they're part of the family of the father-in-law of Moses. And so they have separated from the normal tribes where they live, and so they're living by themselves. And they reported, and let's skip down to what verse I want to look to for the sake of time. Let's skip down to verse 13. So Sarah gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with them from this area to another area. It's all from Hashereth, Hagoim, to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? Come on, Barak, it's time for you to go forward. God has already gone forward. This is the day. Now follow what he told you to do. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him, and the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. Now, remember, 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 the most advanced technology of this time were the chariots. And the reason Israel couldn't defeat them was the chariots. Why, why, why they were harshly oppressed? Because they had chariots. But some reason, now they're chariots. Their advance, advantage over Israel stopped working. Now, one of the things you'll see in chapter 5, we'll get there in a few moments, and I won't read the entire chapter. You can read it on your own tonight. But suddenly, their chariots got stuck in the mud because the river Kishon began to overflow suddenly and supernaturally. The river joined in the battle because of the Spirit of God. And now all the chariots are stuck. Everybody is stuck. Their advantage is gone. They are panicking. Now, what happened? 
All the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not one was left. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jaber, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside, do not fear. And when he had turned aside and went into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent. If any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there any man here? You should say, No. Then Jael, he was went, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. And then as Barak pursued Sarah, Jael came out to meet him and said, come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sarah dead with the peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Go to chapter 5 as we begin to close. On that day, Deborah and Barak sang this song. Israel's leaders took charge. I'm reading from the New Living Translation now. And the people gladly followed. Or otherwise said, the leaders stepped up and the volunteers stepped up. King James, New King James calls it the volunteers stepped up. The leaders stepped up. And it says, praise the Lord. Listen, you kings, pay attention, you mighty rulers, for I will sing to the Lord. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you set out from Seir and marched across the fears of Edom, the earth trembled and the cloudy skies poured down rain. Now she's telling you in this prophetic song how God fought for them and the victory was won. The mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord, the God of Mount Sinai, in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the days of Shamgar. So remember, this is happening at the same time as Shamgar is delivered. It's around the same time Shamgar was in a different area. But his story reached where they were. And in the days of Jael, we know she's the one who just took down Sisera. People avoided the main roads and travel stayed on winding pathways. Why? The oppression that was in the area. There are few people left in the villages of Israel. They weren't dwelling in the open plains anymore because it was dangerous. Until... Deborah rose as a mother for Israel. When Israel chose new, guard, new gods, war erupted at the city gates. Yet not a shield or spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. They had no weapons. They could not fight. They could not defend themselves. Why? Israel chose new gods and they were defeated. My heart is with the commanders or the leaders of Israel, with those who volunteered for war. Praise the Lord. Consider this, you who ride on fine donkeys, you who sit on fancy saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road. Listen to the village musicians gathered at the water hills. They recount the righteous victories of the Lord. Remember, they said they weren't there before, but now all the people are back into these areas. The areas that were deserted are now filled with people singing, and now the roads that were deserted are people who are, who are traveling in the finest. Remember, donkey, you know, not everybody had a donkey nor a horse, but the people who are traveling now are traveling on the best donkeys, so the best vehicles, the best of that time. Then the people of the Lord marched down to the city gates. Wake up, Deborah, wake up. Wake up, wake up, and sing a song. Arise, Barak, lead your captives away. Down from Tabor marched the few against the nobles. The people of the Lord marched down against the mighty warriors. Then they came down from Ephraim, a land that once belonged to the Amalekites. They followed you, Benjamin, with your troops. From Machir, the commanders marched down. From Zebulun came those who carried commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah of Barak. So we see Issachar, another tribe, joined this army as well. They followed Barak, rushed into the valley. But in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. Another translation, there was great searching of heart. Why did you sit at home among the sheepfolds? To hear the shepherds whistle for their flocks? Yes, in the tribe of Reuben, there was great indecision. There was great searching of heart, meaning Reuben didn't come to battle. Reuben's one of the tribes, but they didn't come to battle. They were called to battle, 
The Spirit called them, but they didn't come. It says Gilead, the city as an area, remained east of the Jordan. Why did Dan stay home? Dan's another tribe. Dan didn't come either. Asher sat unmoved at the seashore, remaining in his harbors. He didn't come either. Remember, all these people were called by the Spirit to help Israel and deliver this area of Israel, but they stayed home. But Zebulun risked his life, as did Naphtali on the heights of the battlefield. The kings of Canaan came and fought at Tanakh near Megiddo Springs, but they carried out no silver treasures. The stars fought from heaven. The stars in the orbits fought against the Sarah. So one of the things you notice in the sky began to change, and there was a, a sudden downpouring of rain, and there was different things in the heavenlies going on that aided this battle. Because it tells you why. Verse 21, the Kishon River swept them away, that ancient torrent, that Kishon. March on with courage, my soul. Then the horses' hooves hammered the ground, the galloping, the galloping of Sisera's mighty steeds. Let the people of Moraz be cursed, said the angel of the Lord. Let them be utterly, utterly cursed, because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty warriors. One of the emphasis of the song through the middle portion is the people who did not come. The people who did not follow the Spirit's calling. They didn't respond to his invitation. They stayed home. They pondered, oh, should we follow the Holy Ghost or not? Nah, let's stay home. They remain unmoved, as I said about one translation. The other ones, they just even take a step forward. This is verse 24. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber, Heber the Kenite. May she be blessed above all women who live in tents. So it keeps going and recalls all that Jael did and the victory she won for Israel. Let's skip down to the end. Lord, verse, the end of verse 31. There was peace in the land for 40 years. Why? Barak delayed. God sent him another message. He responded. The judge was raised up by the Spirit of God. Barak, who was called by the Spirit of God, went down to battle. And these tribes, these thousands of people, followed them into battle. They volunteered, or even as it says, they jeopard their lives for the sake of the plan of God. And God gave them a great victory. God went before them. God fought for them from the heavens like he did for Joshua. Rain came, and the river began to sweep these chariots away. It began to call these chariots to get stuck in the mud. And there was supernatural help when they followed the direction of the Spirit of God. But there are questions left to these other tribes. Why, did not, why didn't you come to help? Why didn't you follow the leading of the Spirit of God? He was calling you. He was leading you. He was inviting you. He was raising you up, but you didn't listen. So this leads me to reflection question number 12 as we close. Have you responded to the Holy Spirit's call? Let's break it down. It's a call, that general call. Some of you watching and listening and have. Have you responded to his call, to his invitation? And if you have responded to that general call and you're in the process, one of the things I notice is that when you just walk with him, there'll be gentle leadings to take another step forward. What has he been inviting you to do? There may be times you say, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to pray more about this. I need you to read this. It's those gentle things. Well, you say, hey, you're missing it here. You need to make this tweak. Have you responded to his call? Or are you like Reuben and there's great indecision or great searching of heart? Or you're like Asher and Dan who stayed where they were. Are you like Gilead who did not come? Are you like Maraz who would not come and help, help where God told him to help? Will you help? The Holy Spirit, the great helper, is calling you to help to take a step forward. But will you 
follow his leading. He's with you right now. He's upon you right now. He's talking to you right now. So what we're going to do, I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to listen to the song and he's going to talk to you. Take notes what he tells you to do. Listen to his plan of action and follow his steps because he's calling you. And what he's called you to do will be accomplished by your obedience to the spirit of God and by his power. So, Father, I pray for them right now. Grant them insight. Oh, Father, grant them insight. Grant them boldness. Grant them, grant them strength. Ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to perceive, know and understand. That they may go forward in the plan of God. That they won't be Reuben, they won't be Asher, they won't be Dan, they won't be Gilead, they won't be Miraz. But they'll be like Zebulun and Naphtali, who responded to the leader's call. Who volunteered to go forth in the plan of God. May they have that boldness and that courage to tell the Holy Ghost yes and go forward. For Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. So help us become more aware of your presence and of your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it strengthens you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the Metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles. God bless.